Hello, and welcome to today's episode on Grateful Leadership, the road to one billion happier people with Steve Foran. I am delighted to have Steve Foran on today's episode as our guest and expert on gratitude at life and in work. So Steve started out as an electrical engineer and did a part of his career in that field. And then he had a career pivot where he really had a purpose. He found his purpose when he was doing his MBA and he was doing research on the relationship between philanthropic giving and gratitude. He decided thereafter, after winning the gold medal for highest academic standing for his research, that he would take it into practice and he would help many people and organizations develop habits around gratefulness. And he's done that for almost 15 years, working around the world. So his company is called Gratitude at Work, and he wrote a book called Surviving to Thriving, The Ten Laws of Grateful Leadership, which I had the pleasure of reading cover to cover and would highly recommend. Steve and I will discuss gratitude and how it relates to happiness, wellness, and success in work and in life. Laura, it's my honor. Thanks so much. Look forward to our conversation. Me too. So my first question, Steve, is tell me about the career pivot that you had in your life and what led you to become a believer in grateful leadership? Good. Uh, so this is like, we're going to go 20, 20 years back or so, right? Uh, and I was looking for something to do something different and I didn't know what it was going to be. And uh, I had this aha moment. I had this realization that my life was handed to me on a silver platter. And the thing is, the reason that was kind of significant to me is because I had been in the belief that I had done it all myself, like what I, and regardless of what you think of my success, but I kind of thought it was all me. And I have this realization, it was as if my life was just handed to me like a gift on a silver platter. And Laura, that's what brought gratitude into my head, into my heart, and yes, engineers do have hearts. Uh, they are, well, I know you're married to one. They're yeah. dark charcoal gray, but we do have hearts. <laughs> yeah. um, and at the time, I, I just had this overwhelming sense of gratitude. And it was, you know, when you get a compelling idea, mm -hmm. you just can't seem to let go of it. And uh, so I had to, I was in grad school, needed to research something. So I said, I'm going to research this idea of gratitude and uh, and that's what kind of got the ball rolling on it wow and i i must say what a great uh story your pivot was in the book you went into a bit more detail on that and good for you to really follow your purpose and passion and contribute to the research in this area of gratitude and I yeah. love your accent, by the way. It reminds me of some dear friends we have in Halifax <laughs> and the little words they say with the little Maritimes accent. So we miss the Maritimers, <laughs> miss well, going there and visiting you guys. Yeah, it's good. I, I know some. it's either a boat, about, or process, process. I don't know what we say, but uh, thank you very much for that. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you share a bit about the research that you've conducted about gratitude, Stephen? What were the main uh, learnings from that research? Just in a nutshell. Yeah, that uh, the, the root of generosity, the core motivation why people give their time, their money, uh, why they serve others is gratitude. 
being grateful for everything they've received. And, and it's that is right across income spectrum. So this is a people thing. So gratitude is at the heart of generosity was the findings from my work. Excellent. So the more that we can build gratitude in people today, the better place the world will be, right? Because we all need more generosity, don't we? Yeah. And, you know, and generosity can be many different ways, right? Like think mm-hmm. of it, spending time with somebody, mm-hmm. right? You're being, listening to someone, having a conversation, uh, treating someone for lunch, whatever the case is, but just, it really is about, to me, helping humans connect, like, better. And so this whole idea, to me, that's where this idea of generosity comes from. And I remember near the tail end of your book about talking to the person in the grocery store. So all masked up and how is your day going? Right? So my eyes can express a lot, even though you can't see my smile, my eyes can express a lot. And I think what you said is that goes a long way. You never know how you're cheering up that person or making a difference in their lives. You don't. I, I I just started this practice of whenever I have an interaction with anybody, like especially someone who who is I'm I'm being served by, right? So it could be at a grocery store, could be on a phone, like, and I just you know you do the hey how you doing that whatever, and then I just like question, how's your day going? And just really try to get them to stop and do it in a way that really intentional with it. You know, my kids, they'll look at me and just kind of go, uh, you know, they give you that, but it's, oh, dad's doing his thing. It's just a way to, can. It, it takes, to me, it takes a transaction, something that is very transactional, like going to the grocery store and to something that could be more transformational. Just the simple, you know, you connect with a human being in a different way when you do, at least I do when I do that. Good point. And I was talking to a dear friend in the hospitality industry who's on a layoff right now, like a lot of hotels um, are. And uh, he said, what would make the biggest difference in the world is if management would just say at the beginning of one of our monthly calls, how is everyone doing? We appreciate you and we hope you're doing well. And they don't. Or just check in one-on-one and appreciate the person for all they have done and how they're missed. And a lot of them aren't doing it, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, you, you know how important it is for, as humans, for us to know that we feel socially valued, especially by our boss, right? That sense of they care about me, regardless of whether I'm being productive, all those things, they're important, but separate. I need to know that someone cares about me and uh, it, it's it's critical. Absolutely. And it's easy to do, right? It's the remembering that is the challenge, but you just got to put reminders. You just got to develop habits, right? It, 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 it is. And, and the whole habits thing, you want it to be genuine, not just rote. You know what I mean? Because even my little exercise that I do, it can very easily become road if I'm not careful with it. So I just, you really want to be genuine. I've um, one time I almost had a woman just break down in tears because she wasn't having a good day and she was just trying to hold it all together. So just that pause, how are you doing? And that was enough for, and I'm, I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, she's working at a cash register. I like, anyhow, wow. she could, brought herself back together and um, because people are having a hard time. People are. And today more than ever. 
Oh, yeah. And even when I see the cleaner in our office building, because a counseling center runs out of my office as well. And uh, so we still go in there. And uh, even the cleaning stuff, I really feel for them because they're all masked up and they're having to clean the bathrooms multiple times a day. So I'm always trying to say hi. And I'm doing so even more after reading your book because <laughs> it's, it's lonely, right? It's lonely and it's sad and it's a hard time. Um, and we can bring joy. So speaking of bringing joy, the Surviving to Thriving, The Ten Laws of Grateful Leadership, what led you to write it and how can people get their hands on it? Thanks. Um, 15 years ago, when I started my company, I, you know, I started doing training, speaking. Uh, I got involved with pro- other professional speakers and what people, my marketing, I hired somebody to do some marketing for me, build my website and all the advice I was getting, you got to write a book, you got to write a book. And that started in 2006. And maybe in 2007 or 2008, they said, you just got to write a book. You've got to be um, like uh, a, 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 an authority on your subject. So it doesn't matter how big it is. So I wrote my first book called Myth Number Two. It's about 30 pages long, and it's harder to write a 30-page book, I think. Um, But according to my kids, they say, Dad, that was not a book. That's a booklet. Um, (laughs) So anyhow, this whole idea of a book is still in me, and and I had had it for a goal for a number of years, um, Laura. And a couple months into the year, I'd always... I wasn't stuck on my goals. You know, I'd make sure, you know, make sure that, okay, is this time to do it? And I'd, for probably five or six years, no, 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 I'm not doing the book. This isn't the year. Anyhow, in 2018, it was on the list. And in April of 2018, I decided, yep, this is the year it's going to get done. And uh, and so wrote it in 2018. It came out uh, about a year late, just a little less than a year later in early 2019. Um, and it was really to take, you know, up at, to that point, probably 12 years, 13 years of, of the work that I had done, you know, and the research that other social scientists have done and to bring that together in a way that, um, you know, that I made sense of it. And it really helped me clarify even more what I was doing and create some additional ideas uh, about how people can use gratitude to, you know, spend more time thriving. That's the, the sort of the notion in the book is how we can live life like a playground and, and do that more often than less often. That is just so well put. So how can people get their hands on it? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can either get it from, I don't know if you've ever heard of Amazon. No, I haven't. Isn't that of, a, a rainforest? Or? If anyone's heard of Amazon, you can get it there. <laughs> you can also get it through uh, through my website at gratitudeatwork.ca. And we've got a store there. If you if you buy it on the website, you uh, use the discount code FRIEND all capitals, and you'll save 20%. And we'll send you a signed copy of it as well, too. That's what I got. Okay, that's what we did. So it was nice to get that signed copy. Yeah. So my next question is, you talk about a spectrum of surviving at the bottom level of the spectrum where we don't want to be. I mean, we've all been there at one time or another. I know I have for sure. Um, But surviving all the way to thriving, which is the ultimate goal. And there's four levels. And my question for you is maybe just, can you explain the levels just briefly? And where, 
How do you think the pandemic has impacted leaders today along that continuum for the better or the worse? Okay, fantastic. Um, can I share a PowerPoint slide with the you, anyone who's watching will be able to see it. So here's my PowerPoint slide. Okay. <laughs> so if you're only listening, I've got a piece of cardboard with <laughs> some markers on it. This is my COVID PowerPoint now, Laura. I've been using this for over a year. I'll show you what the back looks like in a second. But this is the hierarchy of leadership. And it's really a hierarchy of mindsets. And I call it a hierarchy of leadership because really leadership is about influence. Um, and the thing that has the greatest impact on influence, I believe, is our mindset. And so these hierarchy, it goes from surviving to thriving. So very briefly, surviving at the bottom, life is a battleground. Up to striving, life is overwhelming. It's like it's overwhelming hard work. Arriving is where life is a good place. And thriving, that's like our six-year-old grandson, Max, life is a playground. And, uh, and, and the significance of this is I've got a, a red line here in the middle and I kind of differentiate and say, this is the place where, um, and you know, I, I'm not a psychologist, <laughs> and, uh, but this is this place below here is when you and I, when we're striving or surviving, we're in a negative emotional state or you experience negative affect. You have this negative, primarily negative feeling above it. You were in a positive emotional state, experienced positive affect. And uh, the significance of this is that when we're down here in this negative emotional state, and Laura, you know it better than me, but you effectively turn off that executive function in your brain, the part of your brain that you need the most to, uh, to be able to make decisions, to apply critical thinking, to, to be creative, to be innovative. To, when we have all these challenges, right, like we do today, this is when we need to be able to tap into the higher order part of our brain that enables us to do that. And, and being in that positive state helps us do it. And, you know, the numbers I've seen uh, in terms of stress levels and anxiety, you know, I've seen them low as 47. I've seen them as high as 70% in surveying populations where people are responding saying, I'm experiencing levels of stress and anxiety higher than I ever have in my entire life. This is over this past year. So somewhere 47 to 70%. So think of half to three quarters of the people that we know are experiencing these levels of stress because of uncertainty, uh, you know, this, this mixture of work at home, away from home, and like not working, uh, uncertainty with aging parents, friends, relatives, whatever the case is, kids in the home while having to do schooling. And it's like, hey, you can't do, I'm on this, or we're all on, you know, using BAM, like stress levels really have been at a higher level over this past year. And I'm, I'm sure you're seeing it in your practice, in your professional practice. And um, so it's, it, that's, does that answer your question? Yeah. It, it does. So yeah. what I'm hearing then is you've seen leaders moving down that continuum is, is what I'm hearing um, more so than moving up it. But have you also seen the reverse happening in certain cases and what leads to those cases? Cause we need more of those scenarios. Right. So, you know, you, I, whenever I present this, I'll just say, okay, let's do a quick self-assessment. Look at yourself over the last 30 days. 
using that basic description that I've, I've given you, uh, that I just shared with you, um, where, where would you, how would you, where would you put yourself? And so over this last year, more people are putting themselves down below. Uh, and, you know, and, you know, we're seeing more. We, I see people right across the spectrum. And, and the thing is, on any given day, Laura, you or I, just because I showed that chart and I, that's my hierarchy, I don't spend all my time thriving. I'm a human being too, right? So we move through there, sometimes without even thinking of it. But the thing is, if we get down there, how do we get ourselves back up? All right. So that's this idea. And so you do exercise with a group of people and just invite them to experience gratitude, get them to, you know, step back, reflect on what are you grateful for? And, you know, do an exit, have people do some sharing. And all of a sudden you ask people, how are you feeling right now? And they start using words like inspired, empowered, grateful, happy, like hopeful, you know, so these things, we can move that. And it doesn't make, I don't know, all the challenges and the crap associated with the the pandemic disappear, but it puts us in a better position, right? Puts you in a better position to be able to to deal with it, to cope. Okay, I've got great family resources. I can do this and this, as opposed to worry, fear, feel paralyzed, feel you know, because those are the feelings that people talk about, and um, and and sometimes it takes time too, right? Because depending on what's going on in someone's life, you know, maybe in your life or someone watching or listening, you can have a lot of stuff going on, and it can be. I'm not here saying, oh yeah, you should be grateful and and it's going to make everything. It can be really difficult. It's harder now than it ever has been to be able to experience this, but it's still something that each of us can tap into. Well put, really well put. And I, I want to ask about, I mean, you talk about grateful leadership, positivity. Um, during the pandemic or at any time, have you had any backlash to you know, this concept um, about being maybe Pollyanna or pie in the sky? And how do you navigate uh, yeah, it, when it, people come at you with that? Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that even before the pandemic, you know, if you're going into an organization, like just imagine if you're going in to do some, I don't know, training on project management or using better using software that you use. People are going, oh yeah, that's great. I'm all game for that. It'll help me do my job better. Imagine your boss comes and says, we're going to get you to do this training on gratitude. What's wrong with me? Right? That, that can be a response, right? So even before COVID, that can happen. So positioning, this is the key, Laura, right? How we position something, especially today. You know, I was doing some work two weeks ago with a long-term care facility. Had the we actually were face to face for this training we did as well too, which uh, which was the first time in the in the last year I had a, did a whole group face to face like that, and um, really just trying to not tell anyone that you should be grateful is just to be able to recognize and experience it on their own. I know in the healthcare world in particular, the whole compassion, fatigue, and burnout because of just this constant, always need to be there. Um, gratitude, I would, you know, if someone can't be grateful, I'm okay with that. I would encourage them to just say, you know, where can you be grateful? 
start there. Start wherever you can. Don't force it, but just start where you can and then just build it. Because when we can see the good around us, it enables us to, um, to broaden and build, right? You know, Barbara Freeman, she, t- she talks about this idea of broaden and build. When we're in this, uh, you know, in this positive mental space, we can, you know, we're, we're more likely to tap into approach behaviors where we'll think of alternatives, think of new ideas, creative ways to, and, and gratitude can help get you or us in that place where we're able to tap into that. And I want to say you did a great job describing that in your book. And I was working with a team going through some challenges this week and they were in the U.S., and they were located in different states. And anyway, they came together, and I was going to do a once-around, you know, tell us how long you've been in the role, your name, you know, one word to describe this team. And then I, I said, who cares how long they've been in the role? Let's ask what they're grateful for. <laughs> so I threw it in, and it actually worked really, really well. I think they loved it. So I'm going to adopt that regularly, thanks to you, Steve. That's fantastic. That that is a very simple but powerful technique that anyone can implement in their workplace today. And you can do that whether you're meeting face to face or you're on Teams or Zoom or WebEx or however you meet as a team virtually. So Exactly. So my Last question is, can you explain the relationship between your experience as an engineer and how you've applied that to building successful, thriving cultures in organizations? So any linkages between your engineering career and your organizational consulting career? I I think probably there's two pieces to it. One is my lived experience. Not necessarily as it just as someone who's worked in organizations and and working in an organization where uh, or having a job or working for someone and feeling like you just hit up the ground and you're ready to go, and also having jobs where you had the Sunday night feeling, and anyone who's had the Sunday night feeling, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And so it was really just that and and thinking about and reflecting on my experience in both of those and what were the things that I that that drew me in and what were the things that pushed me away so that was just that lived experience so there's really no science to any of that right it's just that experience my you know my my lived experience um the other piece of being an engineer is that we are um you know, we like finding solutions and practical and we have models and frameworks. And what enabled me to do was to take a body of research that was out there and build from it, but not just, um, you know, I, I say it's a very science-based program that we used. Everything is not evidence-based that I do. It's It, it, it comes from practice. It comes from um, and and I thought that was a downside at first, but then I realized that's a lot of the reason why people are hiring me because of the things that I was doing that really, where does innovation live? It doesn't live on evidence-based. It lives as you're 
trying and experimenting and testing things out into the future. So as an engineer, I was, you know, and I had clients that were willing to work with me. And, and in some ways you could say, take those risks and say, okay, what works here and what doesn't work? And most of the stuff that we try and use and continue to use is stuff that has been working when we try it. So, um, so really that lived experience that I had as an as someone who worked in organizations. And then secondly, the engineering framework, if, you know, I don't know if you noticed in the book, you know, I have some models, those really, uh, I think are just come from my engineering type mindset and uh, approach to problem solving. Wonderful. So you have covered some really important points about how gratitude in our daily lives, in workplaces as leaders is so critical today, more than ever. And what I've heard again and again, and I've read in your book is it's fairly it's not easy, but these habits can be integrated easily if you put your mind to it. I mean, I've integrated some of your habits already. The three things you're grateful for, journal them once a day, doesn't take long, and is already really impactful to me because it's forcing me in a good way to explore different areas of my life that I'm grateful for. So That's thank fantastic. you for that. You're, you're welcome. Thanks, thanks for sharing that, right? And just how you framed it at the end, right? Three things you're grateful for that you're you know, that it just causes you to explore what those things might be, right? And so it, yeah, curiosity, wonderful. So absolutely recommend your book. And this is uh, the first part of a two-part podcast with Steve Foran. And I'm really excited to uh, bring you back uh, in two weeks where we'll discuss the intersection of your work and life and some of your tips around work-life wellness and how gratitude can actually help us as human beings be well and thrive and manage stress. So we'll get into some more uh, tips and recommendations and things in that part too. Um, but for the time being, if you want to get your hands on Steve's book, uh, again, it will be in the show notes. That's where you'll find it. And we will be um, more than glad to have you on again when we continue this conversation. So thank you very much for your time today, Steve. Thanks. You're, you're welcome. And make sure you stick, come back in two weeks because the tips are really important for you. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today on Where Work Meets Life. I'm passionate about sharing insights from experts around the world on topics at the intersection of where work meets life. If you found this podcast useful, please share with others who may benefit and engage with us on social media. For more articles, information, and tips, sign up for my monthly newsletter at my website, drlaura.live. This podcast summary contains links to the psychology practice I founded, Work Evolution, Canada Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology, as well as my current employer, Humans, a nationwide organizational psychology firm focusing on culture and performance. Stay well.